Remember, for it to be a forward pass, it's got to go forward. Kaepernick, end jump, Crabtree, broken up, picked off! This game is over! Well, I'm the best corner in the game! When you try me with a sorry receiver like Crabtree, that's the result you're going to get! Don't you ever talk about me! L-O-B. He wants to get in a fight, you can't do that! A quarterback, you can't fight! A very good uh, wherever afternoon, evening, whatever part of the day you are listening to this podcast. Welcome along to Off the Ball NFL podcast. Uh, we have lots of interesting talking points from last weekend to talk about, and lots of interesting talking points to look forward to in the games that we're going to preview uh, on Saturday. It's Baltimore at New England, Carolina at Seattle. On Sunday, it's Dallas at Green Bay and Indy at Denver. With us, as ever, Sam Monson at PFF underscore Sam, a senior analyst at Pro Football Focus, and uh, Kian Fahey of Football Guys. And also with us, Donny Mahoney of um, Off the Ball. You can get Kian on Twitter at KianAF, and Donny is at Donny Mahoney, or Mahoney, I should say, uh, to correct it there. Thanks for clarifying. Uh, you're all very welcome. Um, Sam, the picked up flag, is there any argument that the pass interference was negated? because the guy had his hand on his face mask and was pulling him the whole time. I, I thought that was kind of a fairly straightforward thing. That play, I think, was just a mess in, in all around. It, it's still pass interference. I mean, at best, you're going to get offsetting penalties. You throw another flag, there's, there's two separate fouls in the play. But there's no way you can look at that play and tell me that it isn't pass interference, because it just is. And, you know, the official saw it at the time through the flag, and I would love to know I'd love to find out what the discussion was that made them pick it up because the replays show that it was you know at some point you know Dean Blandino is the the head of officiating has come out and then kind of talked a bit around it skirted around it and claimed it was a judgment call and that kind of thing but at some stage he seems to be coming off as a little ridiculous defending every single controversial refereeing decision you know his, his job is the kind of the head of officiating at some point it's okay to admit that they screwed up a call um, it happens in all sports it's going to happen in, in football and you just have to live with it sometimes the immediate aftermath uh, Pereira on the TV coverage goes oh you know these guys never work together because um, they're uh, an all-star cast the thing about that is that um, I actually think it's not the worst idea in the world to have an all-star cast so you do have the best line judge and you do have the best everybody, and yet for some reason this now has become the excuse stroke main reason that this happened, Kian. Well, it's also not true, I think. Um, I think at least two different parts, there were two guys from two different crews. So right. of, of seven seven people, I think, uh, are on the crew, there's there's two different parts of that where, that have worked together before. So, Kian, what did you make of it? Um, I, I'm kind of torn into the lot. I get why Sam says it has to be past interference, but I also don't like the idea that it is pass interference because the defender has to have a right to his face and Stafford just throws the ball into his back. I don't know what else he's supposed to do in that situation. Is he supposed to just stop and bend all of his momentum, turn around and catch the ball? I think that's very harsh. Um, I think it's only really become an issue because they announced this before they uh, picked the flag up. Flags get picked up all the time. They just shouldn't have announced it. And that's, that's where it comes in, the idea that the, the officials hadn't worked together enough. So there was a little bit of confusion there. 
there, there's a lot to sort out, but I think in, in the long term, it doesn't really mean anything. The bigger issue was them not going for the fourth down. Yeah, hot take. The NFL did not fix the game. Yeah, <laughs> and that's the end of that. Uh, the conservative coach got beaten by the coach who uh, un, undid his normal conservatism and actually did go for it on a, several key fourth downs. And maybe Dallas are just a slightly better team than Detroit at the moment. Is that fair enough, Sam? That's the biggest overriding lesson from that? Yeah, I think they probably are. Um, it's probably fair to say that the better team won. It's just when you get such a, a huge call like that, go, you know, one or such a big controversy like that late in the game, it's always going to be the thing that sticks in everybody's mind. I thought Dallas were choking for the first 15, 20 minutes of this game. Um, can you choke at the beginning of a game? Yeah, and then you can get over your nerves. Like, they couldn't stop... They couldn't stop anything. Their offense was horrific. Everybody yeah. was playing bad. Who are they're good players? Um, even their offensive line wasn't particularly good for the first twenty six minutes. Yeah, D- D- Detroit should not have lost the game. They were killing them. They should have put the knife in. They shouldn't have let Terrence Williams get that touchdown before halftime. And they should have closed the door in that game. I thought when uh, what was it? There was that. Uh, Stafford threw interception on the first possession of the second half, and I'm, they Dallas has the ball on, on the twenty yard line, and Dallas screws everything up. They get that stupid penalty. They give up the sack, and Bailey misses his first field goal after being jinxed by um, by Joe Buck, and they get nothing on that drive. And still, somehow, they manage Detroit manages to throw the game away. Don't like Detroit have no one to blame for themselves or but themselves. But that said, I have sympathy for Jim Caldwell. Four, that's going there fourth and one that's that's a big you got, you need balls to do that yeah maybe if your punter doesn't shank the kick yeah, exactly. no one cares the punter that guy <laughs> should be fired he should never be able to work in the NFL ever again I don't like he I've heard some people be, be critical of him this guy should be he should be public enemy number one in Detroit his photo should be everywhere a 10 yard punt that was t- I've never it was the that's his job just kick the ball I could have kicked it further like, I say that without fear of contradiction. I could yards. have kicked that further. What was he doing? It was I, terrible. I could have need the ball further. Oh. That one went. He's and he, all of the all of the various uh, scapegoats here. No, uh, he's he's, only, got away. he's like third, I think. He, and he did get away quite a bit. Um, one final point before we leave Detroit. Why the hell don't they throw the ball to the greatest receiver that they've ever had a bit more often in a game where he wasn't being? There was no double coverage. It was like, oh, I'm going to look everywhere but Calvin Johnson. I don't. I still don't understand that, Sam. I think it's it's especially weird because at times I think Matthew Stafford has been lulled into that um, trap of, of aiming at a Calvin Johnson too much, you know, and trying to kind of put it towards him when he is well covered and they've got plenty of other receiving options that could um, could have a big day. But for some reason in this game, they didn't really do that too much. He still had more targets than anyone else. Um, sorry, second most targets. He Golden Tate was actually thrown out more. But he, he still saw a reasonable amount of the ball, but it was definitely a big downturn from, from what they've done in the past. I didn't, um, I didn't remember the game, but they kept talking about some game in that stadium where he torched Dallas for 250 yards. And I was like, well, just throw him the ball. 320, wasn't it? Was it? 320? Yeah. Oh my God, that's even worse. The same question applies, right? So they have Des Bryant lined up to the right and Tony Romo looks straight down the field and looks left and looks left and throws it out of bounds. I'm thinking, you've got Des Bryant in the form of his life, Mm. throwing the ball. Well, but maybe there's something to be said for the Cole Beasleys and the 
the uh, Terrence Williams of the world. Maybe I mean there must be some the way they, something in the way they're being covered. I I don't know. Maybe the defensive experts amongst us would know better. I'm not sure it was uh, in terms of the the Cowboys' offense. I'm not sure it was in terms of the coverage, but in the first half especially, uh, the the Lions were blitzing and just throwing different uh, looks at, at Romo all day. And against that kind of pressure, he had to get rid of the ball quickly. Too often you saw him, he was probably looking towards Brian to try and push the ball down the field. And he'd hold on to the ball and he'd turn backwards and he just he gets sacked and he gets yeah. too much pressure. And I think that was the biggest issue, really. OK, so maybe that had a bit of a bearing on that one, at least. Uh, now, maybe this is all moot because Dallas, who are, in fairness, 8-0 on the road mm-hmm. up against a team who are 8-0 at home in Lambeau on Sunday, the Green Bay Packers uh, are surely going to kill them. Oh, uh, oh, I don't know. I'm hearing it's going to be really cold. Minus twenty three this morning, something like that. Um, I maybe that's Foxborough. Sorry, no. It's going to be it's going to be really cold, like with the uh, with the wind chill and all that. I look. I don't know. I w- like. I I was disappointed with how it's weird with Dallas. Like with everything. With everything with the 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 missed call or the blown call, they still have to win the game, right? And so, after looking, that game looked over after the first quarter, yeah. And they had to come back and win the game. So, you know, you give them credit for doing that. They were they seem to be a better team away from home. Um, but I don't know, going to Lambo maybe a step too far. I don't have a whole lot of faith in them on the back of that, especially their defense. Like, if if Stafford could do that away, what does Rodgers have in store? You know. Yeah, um, Sam Green Bay, their home form has been irrepressible and they have players playing well and a game manager, even if his calf is a little bit sore, although he's had plenty of rest on it in Aaron Rodgers, who will be able to pick and understand the defensive uh, difficulties that he's facing, but will also at the same time be able to pick them apart. Surely this is actually a bit more one-sided than, um, than all the hype surrounding Dallas would suggest. I actually think it might be reasonably close. Aaron Rodgers should be able to have success against the Cowboys' D. Um, but equally, I think the, the Cowboys can have success against the Green Bay defense. They they should be able to run the ball. They should be able to move the ball with through the air. If they can keep a, a few kind of long-sustained drives going, that's going to be the best way of keeping Rodgers off the field is not trying to keep pace with them, um, but by basically eating up some clock and... and scoring, uh, taking some time about when you score. And I think the, the thing with, with Rodgers is going to be whether he holds up for the full game. You know, he's, he's had some rest on that calf, but a muscle injury in, in temperatures that are going to be, you know, below zero or ex- below zero in, in kind of cell centigrade terms, that's going to put an awful lot of stress on that kind of thing. Those are the kind of conditions playing football where it's, you know, it's on, it's off, it's stop, start, um, that muscle could easily go again. And if it does, then I would say the Packers are in real trouble. All right. Well, I'm not a muscle expert, but it's, that seems like a believable case. Even after he came back and was still Superman with the injury? Yeah, looking pretty good. Two weeks of just kind of getting, getting massages. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we we don't know the inner workings of the calf, but it lasted after the first injury quite well. Yeah. It just has to last another month. I guess it comes down to maybe your opinion of whether the injury was real or not. I think it was real. I heard the case that it wasn't. I didn't agree with it. <laughs> has the MVP it hasn't been announced yet, has it? No, it's, it's the week of the Super Bowl, a mm. week in between, I think. Isn't well, it? well if I, I guess that will all be proven and disproven by uh, around on Sunday sometime. Kian, what do you think? Who's going to win this one? 
I do think Cam is going to be an issue for Rodgers. Just from the people I've talked to who would be smarter than me with these kind of things, they say it, it should last a couple more weeks and it's the kind of thing that, like Sam said, could go again and is going to be painful no matter what he does. But the bigger thing for me is I don't think the Packers' run defense is very good. And we saw last week, I think a big key to the Lions game was that the, the Lions' run defense is, is, is very impressive and it was able to contain Murray. And Murray, Murray's a, a vital part of the, the Cowboys' offense and, and the Cowboys' whole team, really, because if they can't sustain drives, it does help their defense. And especially in this game, if Rodgers is dealing with that calf injury, you keep him on the sideline for as long as he wants. And I tend to agree with Sam. Like I, I think the, the Cowboys will be able to move the ball and I think they'll be able to keep this game tight. And I actually, I, it's kind of a, a team of the weekend coming up where I think the teams match up relatively well for the most part. Yeah, well, let's move on to the next one then. The Carolina-Seattle game. This is on the back of Carolina's fairly straightforward win against one of the worst quarterbacks in the history of the playoffs. They beat the Arizona Cardinals in Arizona 27-16. Ryan Lindley, I think, with the eighth worst playoff performance of all time. Kemp, I would hate to see the other stuff. Yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> it was it was pretty abysmal stuff, and the brilliant Arizona Cardinals D kept them in it for as long as they possibly mm-hmm. could until their spirit was broken by the fact that they had some guy they'd picked up off the street on the way to the stadium, yeah. uh, a quarterback for them. Um, uh, Carolina getting a bit carried away, maybe Sam with the whole. Uh, our defense is brilliant as well because Cam Newton did not have. One of the early season Cam Newton, good passing, everything going where it's supposed to games. No, he didn't. And and it was as much the, the, the Panthers giving the game back to the Cardinals as it was that Cardinals D really standing up. I mean, they had a big turnover where Jericho Cotri just decided the ball was going somewhere else entirely and stopped running on his route. Um, and that, that kind of thing can't happen if you're going to have any hope against the Seahawks. Um I think that the Panthers are built to do reasonably well against Seattle. They, they they match up relatively well in that they do have an offense that's difficult to deal with. Um, it's a strong running game. They can hurt you in, in several different ways, whether it's handing the ball off to, to Jonathan Stewart or whether it's Cam Newton keeping it. Um, they do have the ability to, to, to move the ball and to, to have success and at least keep the, the Seattle offense off the field for a bit. And then their D, I think, is pretty good. And it's it's good enough that Seattle's offense, I don't think, is going to run over them. So they, they've they kept the game close the last couple of times they've played Seattle. And I don't think it's going to be too different on this occasion. Um, I think one thing that's huge for them, though, is that they just lost uh, star Luka Lele um, in the middle of their defense to a broken foot or a broken ankle or something. And that, I think, is that's going to be a huge loss for them. Ken, you were saying you think they match up quite well. Certainly the stats from the games that they've played against each other would bear that out. And yet Seattle always win. I think um, Newton is 0-3. Uh, maybe it was the other way around. Um, maybe Seattle have won all three games that Russell Wilson has quarterbacked against them. Either way, the last three games definitely have been Seattle. So do you have any? can you make a case for Carolina to win this one? Actually, this, this is the one game of the four where I, don't, where I think they don't match up well. And uh, there's a very specific reason is the, the, the Panthers just don't have the wide receivers to attack this defense as far as I, as far as I can see. Kelvin Benjamin's going to be a problem. He's always a problem simply because of his size, but he's also very unreliable and he leaves a lot of yards and a lot of opportunities on the field. And I, just, I think you're going to need Cam Newton to have a phenomenal, phenomenal performance. And he had a few phenomenal performances towards the end of the regular season and he kind of regressed a little bit last week because his accuracy was off. He missed open receivers too often. But even even if Newton has a great, great game, 
I still think it'll be a close game. So even even if even if the Panthers play to their very best, I just I can't see them winning this in Seattle. I know most of those games have been close, but I think I think they've all been in Carolina. Uh, I may be wrong on that, but I, I think they have all been in Carolina, and I think that makes a big difference when it comes to Seattle and especially in the playoffs. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, let's talk about the Patriots. All right, so the Patriots. Uh, for the first time, are going to have a healthy Gronkowski mm-hmm. against uh, the Ravens. For the first time, they're going to have a healthy Gronk in the postseason since the time they reached the Super Bowl and he got injured in the championship game. Is that yeah, what happened? Against, uh, against Baltimore, wasn't it? He in got, that, he got that... injured in that game and then mm-hmm. they make the Super Bowl, but he hobbles out on one leg and is a disaster. Nearly catches uh, the Hail Mary at the end of the game, if my memory serves. I don't know. I don't... Bernard Pollard, wasn't it? Yes, it was Bernard Pollard, yes. Uh, so you think the Patriots this is actually perfect for them because instead of being lulled into complacency all they're hearing this week is oh you can't handle the Ravens and the Ravens have got this hex over you so they're going to come out and swat them aside that's what you're hoping we're going to lose oh yeah? yeah I'm pretty sure <laughs> what? yeah on what basis? Um, the Ravens are, are undercover really good uh, yeah they have beaten New England in New England in the playoffs before they have. Didn't they have Ray Lewis on their team? They had Ed Reed on the team. They had a lot of guys that they don't have anymore. Yeah, they didn't. They have a pass rush that is going to cause Kill. Tom Brady a lot of problems. Yeah. Um, well, like Garrett Blunt. They. I just think it's really couldn't be a worse matchup. Like I maybe last week I think I was I think I've been lulled into this feeling that the Ravens are just really just a terrible team. Just a joke, barely got into the playoffs. But then I'd forgotten that some football teams, how for whatever reason, can just sort of switch gears and actually get go become better almost overnight. Um, and John Harbaugh's teams in the playoffs are a much different prospect than they often seem to be in the regular season. I mean that that's not like an analytical or scientific. That's just some. That's just me watching on the couch. Um, so I just I just find this game. Really scary, and I don't. I actually like. I I can't. I I find. I just I think it's be really close. I have no reason to th- no confidence at all about about the Patriots this week. Sam, you've had a sneaking regard for the Ravens for a while, um, and obviously that came to to bear fruit last week, particularly at various stages. Uh, Flacco looked like he was in the zone, um, and that pass rush that Donnie was talking about completely kills whatever chance Ben Roethlisberger had of uh, exploiting this apparently dodgy secondary that the Ravens have. So um, Donnie's case is a fairly compelling one, if slightly tempered by the fact that he's a massive Patriots fan. As a, an objective outsider, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah, I have had this kind of inkling that the, the Ravens could make noise in the postseason for a while. They're built to succeed. If you look at what they have, you know, you've got Flacco playing really well, but the foundation of that, I think, is the offensive line that's been really, really good this year. So, and that's allowed Flacco to play well. It's allowed the running game to be successful, even though they're they're running with Justin Forsett as the top guy, who wouldn't have been seen as a particularly dominating running back earlier in the year. Um, and then the defense has got three really top-level pass rushers. So you've got Suggs, you've got Dumerville. You've got Pernell McPhee, who they've kicked out to a kind of extra outside linebacker as well. Those three guys are all really tough to deal with. And the three of them together, it's almost impossible for an offensive line to stop over the course of a game. Um, so they're kind of built to, to have success in the postseason. 
But the, the difference, I think, between a team like the Steelers and a team like the Patriots is that the Steelers hold on to the ball an awful lot longer in the pass game, and it allows those three guys to really get after them. Brady doesn't keep the ball in his hands very long at all. He's, he's one of the quickest guys in the league in terms of how often on average he's holding the ball. So it's going to be fascinating to see how much the, the, the Ravens can get after him because in, in one way, they've, they've got an easier job because that Patriots line I don't think is as good as the Steelers one. But on the other hand, Brady gets rid of the ball a lot, a lot quicker. So it's kind of that. I think it's going to be a fascinating balance. If the the Ravens can get after him and really pressure him, then they've got a really good chance of winning the game. If they can't, if Brady can keep moving the ball and keep getting his hands quickly, then I think they probably win. Blunt, Edelman, and Gray were all limited at practice yesterday. Um, now I don't know if they can win this game without having Blunt at least? I think they can win it without Blunt but they can't win it without Edelman. I think he is like this like a really really important player for them. Uh, Amendola can, is, can sort of do some of that slot work but he's um, he's far limited and him and Brady and Edelman seem to really have a kind of connection almost like he, he used to have at Welker. Um, if they don't like he'll they really need Edelman. I could like Blunt obviously Gives them uh, um, like some power running that you know Vereen can't really give them. I don't know. I, I if I, I if Edelman's gone, I would, I'm, my worrying goes up even more. What do you think uh, about all this, Kian? Um Does Gronkowski's presence not completely transform the ability that um, uh, Brady has to get the ball out quickly and therefore stymie the run game, or the the pass rush, and actually provide a platform for victory here? Yeah, Kronkowski is a big reason why I'm kind of irrationally excited about this game because there's just there's matchups all over the field like that that are going to be are going to have big impact, but obviously not one matchup is going to win it, so it's going to be a balance out of who 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 gets the better of each each one. Sam touched on on the Patriots pass protection and Brady getting rid of the ball, and I, I agree with him in terms of the, the Ravens pass work. It's, it's phenomenal, but like you say, Gronkowski changes all these things, and for me. Uh, for me, for when the Ravens counter Gronkowski, they've got a lot of athleticism over the middle of the field, as far as I can tell. You look at CJ Mosley, the rookie inside linebacker, he's, he's great in coverage. Daryl Smith isn't as good of an athlete, but he's also very good in coverage. And Will Hill is their uh, kind of tight end stopping safety, I suppose you'd call him. And I, I, like, you're, no one's ever going to contain Gronkowski or stop Gronkowski, but you only really need to do enough to contain the offense as a whole. And I think the Ravens are kind of built in, in such a way that they match up well to the Patriots' offense and that they will be able to pressure Brady and they will be able to keep the score relatively low. On the other side, though, you, you look at the Patriots' defense and that's improved a lot since their last uh, playoff matchups. Uh, and those are... Uh, sorry, John, the phone's breaking up. Uh, those, those are the, the, the matchups that will decide the game. And I, I just think you're going to find, no matter what's happening in the game, you're going to find something that's going to be fascinating and something that's going to be really tight and, and difficult to predict. Yeah, and this is the early game on Saturday as well, I think. Yeah, yeah everybody can watch this one. Yeah. This, like, you know, I think it's a nine, nine or something like that. Yeah, so. yeah, as opposed to the, that game that starts late Saturday night. You can, oh, forget that. Yeah, that's, I mean, They put that Seattle game out there, thank you. Caroline against Seattle. Yeah. That's, going to be, that's going to be a blowout, <laughs> hopefully, in the first quarter and you can all go to bed. Uh, all right, the last one we haven't talked about is uh, Indy at Denver. Uh, obviously, Peyton Manning this week has been unwilling to answer any questions about the fact that he's... Well, we've dealt with the fact that I'm playing against my old mm. team. It doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. 
But um, it's not really irrelevant. Brilliant from um, the Indianapolis Colts owner this week who was in trouble pre-season for, I can't even remember what it was in trouble for, okay. it prescription drugs? or Bill, Bill Polian, is that what we're talking about? Jim Irsay? Uh, Jim Irsay. Yeah. He said that um, it was MJD mm-hmm. who transformed the entire organization by annihilating them in a single game where he rushed for 170 yards or something in it might have been in, been in Lucas Oil okay. which guaranteed them the number one pick which got them Andrew Luck oh, right. which got them out of their, the hellhole of not knowing whether or not they should keep Peyton Manning who yeah. it turns out was fine yeah. or hire Andrew Luck who they may well have wasted his MJD's greatest contribution to Football. the NFL yeah. yeah pretty much he won the rushing title that year um, this is a very straightforward game though right Sam because you have a good team with a quarterback who's waning against a bad team with a quarterback who's coming to the peak of his powers, but it's he just has no weapons to compare against the opposition. If there's an upset this weekend, this is the game I think that could be that upset. I think the way Luck is playing, or at least the way he played last week, he's got enough about him that I think he can carry that team over the Broncos, especially with the way Manning is playing at the moment. It would take Denver playing at their best as a team, I think, to beat Luck in the way he's playing at the moment. But some of the throws um, last week against the Bengals were just absolutely ridiculous. The, the pass to Moncrief, as he was being tackled, you know, 40 yards plus in the air, lands in his hands. That kind of stuff is just, those are the plays that, that everybody has been looking to Luck to make since he's been drafted. And he's made some of those plays, but the, the real key in that game was that he eliminated all the bad luck plays that he's always made as well. And if he can do that against the Broncos, I, I think it almost doesn't matter that he doesn't have this fantastic supporting cast around him. He can be that good. Boom Heron and uh, Trent Richardson are going to have to do some hey. magic between them. Fumble Heron? Yeah. That's not a great nickname, but... <laughs> <laughs> he's, I, I don't... I have no faith in the Colts. I think they... they the game against the Bengals is actually pretty close for a while. You know, going into halftime in the third quarter, and then just people, re- Cincinnati were like, people were like, oh wait, Cincinnati were really bad here. Indianapolis figured it out. Um, I, I don't, I think Peyton Manning's uh, moment with Father Time is coming soon, but I don't think it's coming this week. I, I, I like, I think Denver's going to do a number on them here. The the difference between um, last week and, and this week, uh, Keen, Demarius Thomas. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders, C.J. Anderson, and whether or not Julius Thomas is a factor remains to be seen. These are good players in good form. Last week, unfortunately, uh, the Ginger Rifle had nothing to work with, like literally nothing uh, to work with in um, the Bengals' offense. And you, I don't know if if the Bengals can stay in the game, then you would expect that the Broncos be able to put up a serious number of points. Yeah, I think the the. The, the Broncos' offense is going to put up points against that Colts defense. The big, the big question is how far can Luck carry the Colts' offense? Last week was the best game I've ever seen Luck play. He was phenomenal, and he was actually still let down by D.Y. Hilton, who dropped, I think, at least three passes. Kobe Fiener had at least one as well, and they were all probably big yardage or, or scoring plays. And you, you, you kind of you think that the Colts' offense, because it's going against a, a Broncos' defense that was pretty good, and a Broncos' defense that will have a lot more pass rush than the Bengals' defense had last week, you would think that Andrew Luck is going to have to repeat that performance again. And as good as he is, it, it's very tough to expect a player to play like that two weeks in a row because simply what he's doing by like negating negating pressure, 
uh, throwing receivers up and holding on to the ball. It, it's just, it's not really a sustainable thing. And it's it kind of, it's an indictment of the Colts team as a whole that they just haven't built enough to help Luck, to support Luck. And we're in the postseason again, I think, for the third year in a row where it's basically all on him to, to drag them to victory. Just uh, reading news that Trent Richardson is now getting work on the Colts punt coverage team. Oh, yeah. He's been promoted to special team from the bench. You've got to keep him busy. Um, he got one snap last week. Well, would you prefer him or a first-round pick? Has hmm. the jury out on that trade yet? Uh, no, I think everybody's really. I'm, I'm more. I'm more curious. Is he is he playing outside as a runner, or is he in the in the middle of all the fat lads? <laughs> yeah, in the block itself. Maybe he's in the frame with the fat lads. No, right, thanks a million to uh, Kian Fahey at Kian AF on Twitter, and also to Sam Monson at PFF underscore Sam. Thanks, lads. Cheers. All right, welcome along to uh, Mixed Picks, where, but for Dan Bailey's stupid, idiotic miss, uh, I would have been trouncing everybody and back in the game. Unfortunately, that's the way the football goes. Ah, poor Jar. You could have said that, and that could have happened many other different ways that you would have uh, covered that game. You, you would be like me, a three and one. Yeah, no, you would have been two and two because you had uh, Detroit. Yeah. Well, that would have been that would have topped it. I would have been back completely, and then I would have been trouncing Mick as well. But uh, I didn't look like I was going to get anywhere close to the cover after the first quarter, in fairness, when Detroit were hammering them. Detroit should have hammered them. They should have just kept going with the run game. We talked about this a little bit already. But You're the worst person to play these games with, though, because you just look, you only see the game in terms of either your pick, your bet, or your fancy, or something like that. Dan Bailey missed the field goal. There was nothing to do. Like, that game would have been completely different had he got that. The yeah, way they would have, the, they would have won the, easily. The way the game worked, the way the game played out, the spread was never an option. There was once it got to the fourth quarter, there was no way that yeah, Dallas yeah, could yeah, beat yeah. them by well, more than six points. No, no, there was. Mm, if there that, was. Yeah. If that chump hadn't dropped the ball and actually run it into the end zone, but, I, but I was, the right he needed, football thing for him to do was to take a knee on that ball. Yeah, however, he didn't do that. Over, right? Of course, he, he didn't. didn't do that. Yeah, did well, okay. Well, there was so, no, uh, no realistic. Uh, uh, there was. I was. I was afraid uh, of. Right. I was afraid of a pick six on that drive. <laughs> yeah, of course you were. Matt Stafford. like Matt Stafford forcing something have, in the playoffs. Yeah. It did get to the point where it was like you realised that guy should have fell on the ball and he didn't. But then, but then you kind of relax because you're like, oh yeah, no matter what happens now, the next guy is just going to take a knee or run out of bounds mm. or whatever. So. Yeah. Because you knew the, the next interception was coming. He fumbled twice on his uh, season-saving drive. It's not the greatest thing for his resume, is it? Uh, who? Stafford on the same drive, obviously because they gave it back to him the first time. Yeah, he mm. fumbled twice to, see, to save the season. Yeah, it wasn't good. Refs aside, by Matt Stafford. Um, so that one was bad. And my first Twitter NFL rant of the season. Well, that's good. Of the year? Oh no, no, no! Of the season, Jack. And of the year. Well, obviously of <laughs> the year. I didn't make it. I didn't make it very long in the year, but I think pretty okay to make it to the playoffs in the season. Has ESPN's Bill Barnwell replied to your tweet um, about that? Alleging that the game was fixed and there was money exchanged. I wasn't alleging. I was joking. What were you saying? He said, why would the NFL do this? Or they fix it. Yeah. I said, why did the NFL do anything? Money. Money. So you do think it was fixed? No, I don't think it was fixed. I think it was a disgrace, though. I think there was something. I think there there can be favoritism for a home team without a game being fixed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There, of course there can. Um, Carolina was the, the most obvious thing that has ever happened in no, American football I don't think so that game was I was what I was five keeping, minutes in I was like why the hell didn't I put my house on this it was the stupid it was the better it was the better of no, all time the bet of all time was Indy versus Cincinnati 
That game was in the fire. If I'm not mistaken, I was kind of keeping an eye on my phone. Carolina were driving late enough to – I don't think – I think that spread was kind of up for grabs. I was Only because that. Carolina were terrible. Arizona were never going to score again unless Carolina was, gave them the ball. They could yeah. not do it. They had 100 yards. That was the, the unfortunate game that was on at a time that you could all watch without feeling that you were neglecting your family or brain dead. Mm. So I watched all of it and mm. uh, it was pretty clear that – Yeah, I watched every – I watched all that game as well. Like, I mean, it was like – I, I listened back to last week's pod just and uh, like I said that you know this is a clear pick because Arizona can't move the ball and normally that would be something that I'd be like I said this exact thing but like I mean come on it was Ryan Lindley it was so obvious they yeah. were terrible the, that offense was a 30 second offense also on last week's uh, podcast I was like I actually really like watching the Baltimore Ravens I think that they're uh, pretty good mm-hmm. on offense and uh and then I went and picked against them. Oh, wow. And then I had my amazing Joe Flacco never loses the first round. <laughs> he did, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it was yeah. Good time. Oh, Joe good. Flacco's last five playoff Steelers. games. Now, in fairness, I made my pick on the assumption, the idiotic assumption that Le'Veon Bell, it's the NFL, they always oh. play. It's just oh. an NFL injury. Yeah. Because his head could. He could not get, the same thing anymore. He though. could get whiplash and he would play and throw an interception. Yeah. If he was concussed, like, he would play. But well, hold on. Like, I think, you know, you have to. You have to take current evidence on it. Like, three years ago, AJ Green would have played last week. Yeah. I think have. two years ago, he probably would have played. Wait, oh, he, he, he had a concussion. Ah, yeah, no, we okay, talked about okay. this on so last week's pod as well, and you were yeah. saying it was a shoulder thing. No, he had a concussion. In the end. And, and, um, so Julian Edelman might not play. But Julian Edelman's been practice for today. four weeks now at this stage. I, yeah, think but, if, I think if he's in full contact practice, he's passed his protocols, has he not? Yeah, well, you'd hope so. And again, it's the Patriots. Do they abide by the rules? This is something we know they do not do. What is he doubtful? Uh, What's the status? Questionable? I don't know. You read it, it in the it, last it, it's questionable, I imagine, because every Patriot ever is always questionable this time of week. I wouldn't read anything into their injury. There's report. a there's a, a mailing list that I subscribe to that I accidentally sent out this week last year's mailing list. That mm. it was for, Rob Gronkowski will undergo surgery for his torn ACL. Oh MCL no! Oh, what? what a thing to do this week. Uh, Scared the living crap out of well, however was, million Patriots fans. <laughs> there, was, there was also stuff about uh, Robert, I would have died if I got that email. Robert Griffin III banging on about how he can influence uh, me and Dan Snyder like that. I can I can make this team do whatever I want. And how there was some um, stress between him and the wide receivers. I think this could easily be the same thing from... Uh, yeah, but, uh, except for the Gronk thing. That's not true. It is not true. No, he's... Gronk uh, is alive. Julian Edelman was limited in practice on Wednesday. There's been no concern surrounding his availability for the game against the Ravens. Suffered okay. the injury in week 15. That's good. Practice ahead of the week 17 game before being inactive. So that's what I was thinking at the time. It was like he was actually late enough scratch for the for the yeah. for the week 16 game. So okay. So uh, uh, last week, just yeah. Sorry, go, go on. on. Well, no, last we get week. To that, would, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mike, Michael Bennett of the Seahawks on the similarities between the Seahawks and Carolina. This is courtesy of Donnie. It's so much alike, man. It's like you look at a girl who looks like you and you find out it's your cousin. So you can't go on a date with her even though you'd like to because she looks like you. But then you see her friend and her friend's really hot and you're like, that's not my cousin. So it's good. Michael Bennett's giving us a little insight into what makes the Seahawks D the most fearsome. Mm. What, is it, what is it with American sports and interfamilial relationships? Incest. Yeah. Um, uh, what's I don't the, know if it's incest with your cousin. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know technically. Like, what's the friend doing in that? Because equation? there's the whole uh, there's the whole sister there's well, the whole kissing your sister for a draw thing. Because I don't know because it's a you're you're at least you're getting a kiss. Is that mm. what the good part of that is? I don't yeah. understand. Michael but it's such a Michael Bennett's from Louisiana, so that explains a lot. He's um, the Bears' uh, tight ends brother. 
Well, Martellus. Martellus better. Hey, do I have 30 seconds to play Jerry Jones clip? Yeah. Listen, he's a Cowboy fan through and through. I met him through the Cowboys, and I'm excited about it. And uh, he's part of our mojo. <laughs> and, uh, I want him there all the way. I, I'll tell you, if he uh, if he's got enough mojo to pull this thing out, he ought to be looked at as president of the United States. <laughs> are you are you going to take him to Lambeau with you? Uh, uh, I'm, I don't know how we uh, in any way can even think about going up there without having him. Ah, well, that's uh, the conundrum finished. He's a lucky charm. Another New Jerseyan. He's adding mojo. Yeah, to the uh, thing. I feel like that's what you do. You're the official I'm, purveyor of Mojo to Timo TV. Yeah, I'm the, I have I had to come to Ireland to. You guys needed some Mojo. That's what I'm here to do. Yeah. Uh, so are you proud New Jersey in this week? Uh, it was a weird moment. I had missed. Apparently, um, this isn't the first time that Christie's been in the Jerry Jones box. All right, he's there all the time. He was there uh, at the Redskins game. Sorry, the Eagles game, uh, the last game of the year, I think. And perhaps the or, Washington professional franchise game. And he was, I think when the Giants were playing Dallas this season, he was in the Jerry Jones box. So this isn't new. It was the first time I'd seen it. Um, and it was the first time a lot of, a lot of people uh, noticed it. Um, I, like, there's two teams, two teams. Now, they represent New York, but there's like... And the Eagles are pretty close. Hardly, the Eagles are really close, yeah. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of like um, South Jersey fans, mm-hmm. South Sorry. Jersey people would support the Eagles. Yeah. And you've got two teams that are actually based there. And oh, this yeah. guy, as the governor, is out there like, it's such a weird They're thing. They're America's team, Michael. Such a weird And he wants thing. to be America's president. Yeah, so, yeah, you know, well, he's got some chance with Donald Trump up against them. Oh, God. It was around, the, late in the fourth quarter, me and my brothers on uh, Viber, and that's how we communicate, and they... Oh, the uh, shock of the whole thing of just seeing him and then his elation and then after the game they walk into the locker room and you see Jerry Jones and then you see right behind him his henchman Chris Christie following him he's yeah, like he's the follower he's going into the locker room there's a, something very wrong about the whole thing you know they bring your mates to games no it's like when Rick Flair you do a bit of business with the... to you know help you to yeah. Make money. Well, that is true. That's it's like when done. Ric Flair turned on the Carolina Panthers last year by giving the San Francisco 49ers a pep talk, you know? Yeah. I, well, that is, <laughs> look, that was a big event. But the... Um, I don't... Yeah, breeze I, as a New Jersey person, I don't I feel... Do. I remember he, they, they, they burned his bathrobes in Carolina. Yeah. I don't, we covered Steve it in the Smith. podcast. Yeah, this, I don't feel betrayed or anything because, I mean, he's he is... You well, never liked him anyway. He's what they call in New Jersey a D-bag. But, bag. Yeah. Well, for those that are un, unfamiliar with, or this. in Ireland, that it's it's it's, it's it we don't really a G. have we a gee bag. We don't really have the douche <laughs> thing. It's you can like, buy them in supermarkets. I used to advertise in uh, on like morning. We used to watch game shows a lot uh, as children, and you would be like, "Well, what's a douching? <laughs> what's that for, Mom? Um, what's a douching? That's I've seen that. It's on YouTube. It is the greatest thing ever. It's a mother and daughter walking down the beach with this amazing music playing. It's this like idyllic scene. And she just goes, Mom, do you douche? Mm. For, Fantastic. It, That's what you get when you listen to the NFL podcast. It was the the pang of want of Chris Christie that was most... <laughs> I thought you were going to say the pang of his douche. <laughs> it's, we were, he would know the pang of Jerry's douche, obviously. That would be oh, that stop, would stop, work, stop, 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 stop. Uh, <laughs> This That escalated quickly. So the that was Green yeah. Bay of oh, Chris Christie. Yeah, that that is the most upsetting to me. 
the best thing that I learned this week was that Aaron Rodgers likes to wander around and uh, just drop lines from the Princess Bride mm-hmm. on people. I saw that as well. That was the most interesting. Yeah. Do you know the Princess Bride? Yeah, yeah. 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 Was it a seminal movie of your youth? It or wasn't. You? I seen it afterwards. I seen it with a lot of people who were for whom it was a seminal a seminal moment of their youth. But I did enjoy it. Yeah, I think I would have been 12, 13 the first time I saw it. Big fan of Fred Savage, of course, in the Wonder sure, Years. Watched the same age as the Wonder Years when it was all coming out. When I was at the Jets-Patriots game, um, one of the the um, Fred Savage's character on the show, his New York Jets varsity jacket had been won by a fan no at way. the game. They gave it away. No it way. Was like, or, and then maybe it was being donated to the NFL Hall of Fame or something like that. I can't totally remember the details. Kevin, Kevin Palmer. No, Kevin Arnold. Kevin Arnold. Yeah, yeah, the famous jacket. <laughs> Kevin Arnold. Kevin Palmer. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have an Arnold that Palmer, please. An amazing Laura train Palmer. is hard, actually. Amazing. Uh, Same era. Yeah. yeah. So, our picks last week. Will we get to this? Yeah, you do it quick. Our picks last week. Donnie was three and one. His only loss Great was week. picking Arizona. It was the, funny enough the worst pick of the week, but he won the rest of them. Fair play with Baltimore Colts and Detroit. Uh, Jer was 2-2 two and two, picked all the home teams I was 2-2 two and two. I lost on the Bengals which was my stupid pick and the Steelers so I'm 21-29-2 Donnie a half a game behind 20-29-3 Jer 18-32-2 Just a note before we go forward people have been following us all year long and this will be really curious about the uh, Gatorade bath that the loser is due to receive on Super Bowl week and uh over the weekend, we decided to revise the bet because I'm well, pretty sure that Jared's not going to do it. Yeah. So <laughs> we might as well get something off him. So uh, lunch has been proposed as yeah. a as yeah. a as a stand-in at Gibos. Not at Gibos. I found a bit of plastic one time. I was in Gibos in my dessert, and uh, so I'm not going back. Chapter one. So we have a few weeks to to choose the the venue. Um, I was saying outside as well that for the divisional games, results count double, and for the Super Bowl, results count, count no. quadruple. No, yeah, come on, the maybe games are more important. Maybe double for the Super Bowl, fine. But I mean, that's, um, only, that's only two points. How about the person who finishes in first place can pick the venue? Okay, Baltimore Ravens, okay. At New England Patriots. Baltimore Ravens plus seven, New England Patriots minus seven. I am going. The two lads are picking against the Patriots still for the. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I th- yeah. One, well, one Donnie you- has just said that he thinks the Patriots are going to lose. So really, yeah. Jesus. Well, I don't think they're going to lose. I think they'll get the job done. But I'm really scared about the game. I think it's going to be really like hit and miss close. I think they'll pull it out, but it could be like two, three points. So I'm going to take the Ravens, and I can't lose that way because I don't really care that much about this. <laughs> I'd much rather the Patriots win forty-two nothing, but mm-hmm. I'm really scared of. Suggs. Suggs is insane when it comes to the Patriots. He hates them so much and it just... Brady had tried to flatter him with niceness this week saying how yeah. uh, how, he'd, how he was very good and all he this kind of thing. He was so good last week though. He really was. It was the best defensive play, um, performance I've seen this season that wasn't by J.J. Watt. Everybody says the Ravens' secondary is so bad but Brady can't throw downfield so... Yeah, he can still throw to where cornerbacks are though. Mm. No, I think he just the has to throw the ball to Gronkowski five times in the first quarter and they'll win this game. Just do that. Get it to him, because then suddenly your run game is operational, and you have two things you can do. And at that point, then you have more options. Go to go to Gronkowski first. Go to Gronkowski second. Go to Gronkowski third. Yeah, I think I, I do think they'll win. I do. I think Pittsburgh. The Patriots have been very good all year, except for like the last couple of weeks when they were in kind of wind down mode. Can they pick it up? Like that is a genuine question. But the Patriots have been a much better team than Baltimore this year, and. 
Pittsburgh very overrated. Did not play well the other night. Like Baltimore were good, but are they good enough? Seven seven points is huge. Is yeah, unfortunate. That, that's the problem. And that's seven why I'm taking Baltimore. I'm going to take the Patriots. I've taken them in this all season, stupidly against the Bills in that last game. Mm-hmm. Um, but then didn't realize they weren't going to play their their full team. Carolina Panthers at Seattle Seahawks. Seattle minus ten and a half. Carolina plus ten and a half. I've got the Seahawks, of course. I think it'll be probably be close at halftime. In the well, comment. I'm I'm last because I'm in last place. I've decided I'm going to go last from now on. But you can't go last every time. I went first. Last I'm going to go last every time. I'm taking Seattle. I uh, I I'm worried about the fact that Carolina played them really well. Like it was like twelve seven early last last year. And but so they are shit. Another close game as well. They, they really are. There's all this talk about oh they've got a different like, team in place. And they're like oh Jonathan Stewart is finally showing what he can Jonathan do. Jonathan Stewart is good. <sighs> he's all right. Like he's you not, know, he's, but he's, he's not like he's not Marshawn Lynch. You know, and Cam I don't think is Russell Wilson. And then everything else that def- the the Carolina defense is improving, but it's not the Seattle defense. Yeah, I, guess I think all all over the place. They're going to have to start picking against you at some point. But that's why you should go first. Oh no, that doesn't matter. I've got all my picks written down, so. Dallas Cowboys agree with so the Packers. I. I'm taking the Packers. Give me the Packers all day long. I got, I've got the Cowboys. I've got the Cowboys. Hey. <laughs> this could be moving week for you, Jer. I've got the Cowboys. I think it's going to be a really good close game, and I think the Cowboys could win. Indianapolis Colts. By the way, that's 8 0 at home versus 8 0 on the road. I bet you that's never happened before in the playoffs. Indianapolis Colts at the Denver Broncos. Colts plus 7, Broncos minus 7. I think it'll be Denver like 31 nothing. That's what happened to the Colts last year against the Patriots. I don't know. I think Denver aren't playing well. I think, like, they, the, the Colts could be the team that get the momentum from last week and go on, go on a bit of a run. Mm. The team you're going to do that, if any team does it, are the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, well, that's what I'm worried about. But I got Denver. Yeah, well, I have Indianapolis written down here. I'm, I'm, that's the one I'm most worried I'm gonna about. I'm going to take Denver, too. Okay. Do you take the Colts? I do. All right. So well, can't really make up ground enough ground here if everything goes my way. Mm, you so. can. You've got three picks out. Well, you've got two picks on your own and one with just Donnie. And we all have the Seahawks. We're all going to McDonald's, babies. Mm-hmm. Enjoy the weekend. Pester us on Twitter at Off the Ball at Donnie Mahoney at McCarthy Mick. Yeah. The last, the, my most famous ever NFL Twitter rant was. Uh, what was the, this one about this week? It um, was about Dallas and Detroit. My most famous ever one was the night of uh, the night the Patriots lost the AFC Championship game to Baltimore. Never really liked Baltimore since. I'll try and stay off Twitter if things go bad this week. Yeah, you might have um, might have went a bit overboard that night. I remember that. I think I might have. I think I might have accused people of murder and stuff. It was, oh, I, 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 I had to be, I, I, see what happened was I drank all the way through the Atlanta San Francisco game. That was a great game, and uh, I was pretty drunk by the time the Patriots game came on. And yeah, was it one of the Saturday and it went really bad. Four o'clock in the morning thing. No, no it, it was, was the Sunday championship night. game. Sunday, Sunday championship yeah. game. There, yeah. right. right. Anything else you want to? Anything else you got to promote? No? Off the ball. Listen, it's good. Watch the game.